Hey guys, it's Matthias. Today we're going to be talking about why AT&T sucks. Okay, come on, let's be fair. AT&T sucks. No, seriously, come on, let's be fair. All phone companies suck. That's about right. But today we're going to be specifically talking about AT&T. Why? Because I have them. I actually used to have their TV service as well. And big shock, it sucked. Game day. What the? Get ready! Woo! This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. Thank you, voice over guy! Nailed it! Nailed the intro! And this week, the cut line breaks down the Byron Nelson. This is a tournament with a massive amount of history, but limited data analysis due to way too many venue changes. Last year was the Lynx style Trinity Forest Golf Clubs in Dallas, Texas. This year, it's TPC Craig Ranch probably should break this course down but before that hello canada hello usa hello uk what's up germany spain portugal australia new zealand south africa germany sweden mexico argentina we are worldwide special thanks to those select few states new york illinois indiana minnesota wisconsin florida nevada why why no dfs but who cares California, what's up? Boom. Shout out to Washington. Shout out to both North and South Carolina. We're everywhere, man. The cut line is growing big time. Now, if you've been paying attention, you can find the cut line out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. It's all there. Subscribe. Whatever mode or medium you use to listen to your podcasts, give us a like. Give us a love. And if you really love the analysis that we're giving, that we are supplying, please, 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 please go to our website, cutlinegolf.com. I'm your host, Michael Kevin Lunis, at Lunis on Twitter. Simply said... Unbelievable, super cool, outrageous, and amazing. The Cutline, CutlineGolf.com, where next week we'll be unveiling our PGA Simulator tool, our PGA Championship model, the course report, the core four. It's all there. We've got you guys all there, and it's all free. It's all free, man. Doing this for you. But first of all, Good, bad, and the ugly of the Wells Fargo Championship. The good, Rory, came out of nowhere? No. Course history was there. It was all on the wall. We were all afraid of Rory's bad recent form. He figured it out, got his first win since being a dad. Good for Rory. The bad, Lucas Glover in the core four, man. 
failed to make the cut. It's three out of four. Well, technically, two out of three. Because we're going straight to the ugly. Webb Simpson with the withdraw due to a neck injury. Come on, man. Here's the thing that pisses me off most about this, though. A reporter got to talk to Webb the night before. Now, if Webb heard it in the morning, I get it. I had to withdraw. If he slept wrong, fine. But the fact is, he didn't ask him one single question about his golf game. Didn't ask him about his health. Didn't do any of that. Asked him what he had for dinner. Come on, man. You're supposed to be a reporter. Whatever. But, cut lines game grows bigger. And so does your wallet. And the cut line is here to break down DraftKings' analysis of the AT&T Byron Nelson at TPC Craig Ranch. We're gonna do the best we can. This is going great. To give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday, we'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that just might drop in through the back door. What is it about good sex that makes me have to crap? I guess it's all that pumping. Pump and dump. Now, the goal of cut lines is to make sure that you're making cashing lineups, smashing lineups, lineups that are kicking ass and taking names and scoring big with everyone's favorite six of six golfers through the cut line. But it's Wednesday night, lineup lock is Thursday, only a few hours away, and you just don't know which way that other players are turning. The guys I trust, Fanshare Sports, FanshareSports.com. FanshareSports.com provides the most electrifying and elite ownership in the industry. Why do I know this? Because I do the ownership at FanshareSports.com. RSQ of like 0.9%. Four. Woo. Point being, you need leverage, fansharesports.com. So this is a very easy fix. Go to Fanshare Sports, sign up, and in the discount code, write the word cutline, and you'll receive 20% off your monthly membership. Ownership is not a leverage to be belittled. A little heads up, Lee Aldrich, my counterpart on Fanshare Sports, is freaking killing it, dude killing it at the sports book it's like six straight weeks of first round leaders outrights on both the euro tour on pga tour the guy is just on fire ride this wave man follow him on twitter i i i love giving him a shout out right now because he is just smoking hot make sure he looks pretty good too make sure that you guys follow him on twitter Get all this information. It's like free money. He's a print factory right now. Totally take advantage upon it. So now we fix our gaze upon the Byron Nelson Championship. So you as a DFS player, you're going to have to be on your game in order to cash this week. And luckily, we're going to make this endeavor easier for you to accomplish. The Byron Nelson's course history is, like I said before, limited. Well, very limited. This is the first year at TBC Craig Ranch, and you will not find strokes gain data. So what are we looking at? This course is challenging as it is ranked among some of the most difficult private courses in the U.S. And it's designed to utilize its topography of the land 
as it winds through rolling hills, mature trees, and players follow the Rowlett Creek to add a touch of majesty. The last time we saw competitive golf here was back in 2012 at the Web.com Tour Championship, and before that, 2008 Nationwide Tour Championship. Needless to say, like I said before, you're just not going to find any data out there, especially for a brand new venue on the PGA Tour. I've read that this is one of the more difficult courses in Texas, and I have no doubt that it quite possibly could be one, but this is for the recreational golfer. The fact is that fairways seem to be quite generous when looking at video streams, hole analysis, and the course layout. Accuracy, accuracy off the tee is probably a must, but not for landing in the fairway purposes. You need this to have the proper approach shot. Um, surrounding trees could like be a detriment on certain approach shots, so if, if you're wayward off the tee, it could lead to some trouble. But in truth, this course is going to have very little teeth in terms of difficulty. And on the scorecard, longer hitters, longer players are most definitely going to find some easy holes. There are four par fours that are 430 yards or less, and there is the 330-yard drivable 14th hole, which is most definitely going to be a fan favorite this weekend as pros are going to try to drive that green. Go for eagle. The course will not be impossible, like I said and mentioned, especially when you consider the fact that next week is the PGA Championship. It's often rare to find such a monster of a course before a major. I don't think you're going to find anything different here, and you're not going to find anything intimidating whatsoever. I do find it strange, though. They talk more about the practice facility here at TPC Craig Ranch than they do about the course itself. Considering the talent of this event... Ooh, could be like, man, I, I don't want to come back here. Anyways, Architect, Tom Weisskopf, Bent Grass Greens. It's the first tournament the players have played here. We got 7,468 yards, par 72. Rowlett Creek runs throughout. There are ponds scattered throughout the course. The water hazards aren't terrible, so it's going to play pretty easy. Looking at the weather forecast moving forward Thursday, not too bad. No wind. We are getting some rain the night before, so you might want to look at that AM wave with that softer greens. Be able to stick it closer to proximity, especially if you're playing those showdowns. Um, after that, we're dry all weekend except potentially on Sunday where we're looking at rain in the forecast. Will they get it in? I hope so. Right now, it looks like very, very, very light rain, but windy comes Saturday evening going into Sunday. So it's most definitely a front that's coming in. It's going to change things in the dynamic of Saturday to Sunday where you're going to want some decent win players to make that cut in your lineups. Past winners include Sung Kang, Aaron Wise, Billy Horschel, and Sergio Garcia. And not that it really matters because those winners were played at different courses. Kang and Wise won at Trinity Forest, while Horschel and Garcia won at TPC Las Colinas. So it, it, it really doesn't matter in terms of past history. It's interesting to note who has won here before. And the reason being is that we're looking at a course that just really is never that difficult tournament that a lot of big guys are missing due to majors and its place on the PGA Tour schedule. Key stats I'm considering this week, strokes gained, tee to green, ball striking, approach, driving accuracy, uh, fairways gained, and birdies gained. Similar courses that I've noticed, TPC San Antonio, TPC Boston, Sherwood Country Club, Mirfield Village, and TPC Twin Cities. So that's looking at the course, but the question is, who are we going to play this weekend? 
these two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this is the Cut Lines Birdie or Better segment where we break down the top tier 10K range all the way down to the 7K range looking for the best plays, smashing plays for this weekend's tournament. Potential betting plays? Quite possibly. Anyways, looking at this range, we are going to start here at the top tier and looking at Bryson DeChambeau at 11,200, John Rahm at 11,000, Jordan Spieth, Deki Matsuyama, and rounding off with Daniel Berger at 10,100. We're going to go over all of them. And the two that I just don't have any interest in are Bryson DeChambeau and John Rahm. DeChambeau's never made a cut here, and I get it. It's at a different course, and we're looking at a different Bryson, right, since the last two times he missed cuts here. The point being, I just don't think he has a lot of interest to play. He thought he missed the cut last weekend, was on a plane, already headed home, had to come back. Right, he's just showing up potentially for sponsorship reasons. Whoever knows, who are just trying to get his game kind of in order, getting psyched up. When you got a private plane, going to these golf events is pretty easy. I don't think the Shambo has a problem showing up for these events. I just don't think he's going to be looking to be a monster winner this weekend, especially coming into the PGA Championship. That terrible showing at the Masters. Another major wants to add a major win to his belt. He already has the U.S. Open. I just don't think DeChambeau is going to have a lot of focus. This is all speculation. This is all my opinion. I have nothing concrete to back this up with. Uh, he does rank highly metrically in my, in, my, in, my, in my overall stat rank. He ranks number one in my aggregate rank, number two. My confidence rank, number two. So if if you're just going to play the numbers, absolutely. You want to play DeChambeau. You know, it's just more game theory here and leveraging. The thing is, though, I don't think, I think a lot of people are going to follow suit and not play DeChambeau at 11,200. Uh, I'm still going to go and lean with the crowd and not play him. Some might say he's playing angry. Who I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to buy that. I'm, I'm just really not going to buy that. So next, of course, is John Rahm. John Rahm's going, I think, through baby sleep deprivation. And you could joke all you want, but that's real. I mean, Rory had a kid, has not, did not win until last weekend. That's a long time. That was a long time after Rory's kid was born. His kid was born in August 31st. And this was when? 2020? All right, so almost a year ago. A little less than that, obviously, since we're, we're in May. But still, I think it's going to take time for Rom to adjust. Like Rory talked about his practice schedule changing. Had to take care of his kid. You don't think John Rom's schedule is going to change? He was going to miss the Masters for crying out loud. There's adjustment going on in Rom's life. He's going to have to make some modifications to his game in making those proper adjustments in his practice routine and schedule. So I'm just not going to buy that John Rom is going to take this seriously. He wants to be at home with his son. Uh, next week is for real money. It's for a real trophy. Now, that that is something that I could see John Rom wanting to do and succeed with. So uh, going to skip out on that. Now, Jordan Spieth is a little bit different for me. 
Jordan Smith won the Valero before going to Augusta. I don't see why he can't win here in Texas, his home state, again, heading into the PGA Championship. Yeah, it'll raise ownership like crazy going into the major, but I think it's a potential aspect I'm going to play into this weekend. Is that is, The fact is, you, you look at Spieth in the last 36 rounds, he's first in strokes gained par fives. 14th in strokes gained tee to green, 25th in ball striking. He's 13th in eagles scored, 2nd in birdies are better gained, 14th in opportunities gained. He's back. Jordan Spieth is back. How, how can you not have interest in Spieth? All right. Continuing on in this range, Matsuyama coming off his master's win might be a little bit rusty, but this actually might be like an opportunity to get away from Japan just so he could get a break from all the fandom he was getting out there. He just won the Masters, right? First one to do it in that nation in the history of the game. Might be nice to get back to the States, get back on the golf course in what is most definitely a more relaxed environment. You have way less fans at these tournaments. You could see Matsuyama getting in gear for the PGA Championship and making this cut and doing quite well. So he's had success here. Specifically, last two years, 23rd and 16th. So the last play in this in this range I'm on board with is Daniel Berger. Daniel Berger looking at super high ownership, though, right now. Initial ownership reports look at, like, in the double digits, above 15%. But my aggregate model, number one. Overall stat model, number five. And my confidence model, number three. So he is looking off the charts good in terms of the metrics that I utilize to analyze a slate. When you look at his recent form in terms of like strokes gain data, Berger fits the bill. 21st in strokes gain par 5, 15th to tee to green, 8th in ball striking, 9th in approach. So he's looking solid, right? He's another option that you want to take this, this tournament. You look at his recent form, 13th at the Heritage, did miss the cut at the Masters, but again, it's a major. We know how Augusta can play tricks with you, especially if you're off your game at all, but ninth at the players, 35th at the WGC Mexico, and of course he won the AT&T Pro-Am, so to think that Berger can't succeed here is is kind of foolish. I get it, we haven't seen him for a while, but still at 10100 I think that's kind of a, redu- a reduced price that, that you need to take advantage of, no matter what the ownership turns out to be, so... In the simulation model, which no one has access to yet, speaking of these guys, Berger has an average scoring rank of ninth place, missing the cut sub-50% of the time with an average finishing position of just under top 35. Top 10 percentage of 8.1. Top 25% chance of 19.2. Yet, his win percentage is sub-1%. In terms of winning percentage of this top tier, the highest goes to John Rahm at 1.5%. So let's move on to the 9K range where I do think there are some chalky plays, but most definitely interesting plays to get away that you just can't get away from. The first question you need to ask yourself, though, is are you going to play Brooks Kepka? Kepka coming off a long hiatus, very long hiatus. All right, but this is a man who has never missed a cut at the AT&T Byron Nelson. So that, that that's key to note for me. And part of it is he's probably getting geared up for the PGA Championship. I understand that. But the last time we saw him, he missed the cut at the Masters coming off that knee surgery. I don't know how the knee is going to hold up. 
He looked terrible at Augusta. Obviously, it's been some time since then, but still, we don't have a lot of reports on how he's feeling. He's kind of quiet on Twitter. He's quite quiet on social media. So you're just basically going to have to follow along and look at his practice rounds, look at his interviews, and make your decisions then. So hopefully tomorrow he's up on the podium. I did not look at the PGA Tour media guide schedule to see when Brooks is talking. But when he is, I am going to be very in tune to what he is saying. I want to be able to take advantage of the fact that hopefully, and you've got to take Brooks with a grain of salt, but hopefully he feels good, he feels on top of his game, and he feels ready to dominate. But the guy that I really, really love, yet I have a feeling that everyone's going to really, really love him, is Will Zalatoris. Zalatoris, though, does have two missed cuts here at 2016 and 2018 Byron Nelson. The thing is, though, they were at different courses. Two different courses, mind you. But second in my overall stat model, sixth in my confidence model, fits metrically in terms of projections. 76.3 is what I'm having him projected at currently. That's a lot of points. That's a ton of points to take advantage of. Uh, will he reach it? I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. Now, looking at him in the simulation model, Zalatoris is lighting it up. Average finishing position, 30th place. Win percentage, he's got win equity at 2% of the time. Top 10 percentage, over 11%. Does miss the cut at about a little less than 50% clip based on what we've seen here because of his course history. But still, still, I will take that top 25 percentage of 22 percent all right so going down into this 9k range i'm not going to play matthew fitzpatrick it's not that i don't think he can't have success here it's just that i have a feeling that a lot of people are going to go back to him he doesn't always do that great though on very easy courses he just doesn't like you look at his at his history on on this type of style it's like he lacks the motivation when he's not challenged on the greens or around the green or an approach metrically again he, he fits great of course in the putting range scoring range approach range you look at the field he's never played here before i think that's somewhat of an advantage but the fact is when you look at like the style the tournament style that i projected it he's like 141st place that i'm projecting him 80th in the in the course like style so if you want to play Matthew Fitzpatrick, I'm not going to say, oh, you made a mistake. But what I what I will say is that at 9,500, I think a lot of people are going to potentially start their lineups with the guy who finished at 4th at RBC Heritage, 34th at, the, 34th at the Masters, and 9th at the Players, 10th at the API, 11th at the WGC Mexico, 5th at the Genesis. Why aren't they going to go this route? It makes all the sense in the world. Yet, I think you just have to get different this weekend. We're in a weird spot. We're looking at a major next weekend, right? Here's the thing. Not a lot of win equity with Matthew Fitzpatrick. Maybe you don't need it. You need that top 5, 10 at 9,500. But when it comes to winning an MME, Fitzy's got to win for you, man. He's got to win if you're starting your lineups there. Unless you got the winner elsewhere and he's figuring to finish top 5. So, uh, take that risk all you want. I'm not going to buy a lot of Matthew Fitzpatrick, but I am going to buy that man from Texas, Scotty Scheffler. 
Projecting in the simulator, number two with 90 DraftKings points, only missing the cut 43.7% of the time, which is extremely low. One of the lowest of the miscut percentages in the field. Again, lacking the win equity, sub 1%, but is going in the top 25 at about 22% of the time. Looking at him metrically, looking at Scheffler on my big board, in terms of the player pool power rankings, Scheffler currently ranks, where's he at, Scotty? Number eight in the power rankings. All right, so number eight in the power rankings. He is not the highest 9K ranking, as that goes to Matthew Fitzpatrick and Willie Z just in front of him, but he does rank third in that 9K range and just below some of those guys in that 10K tier. So those are the power rankings we're looking at, Scotty Scheffler. In terms of like confidence model, top 10, aggregate model, 11th, overall stat model, 10th place. We saw him play here last year at Trinity, and he finished 35th. So it's good for Scheffler to be home, going to the major next week, and we're going to keep rolling here in this 9K range. Sam Burns is next. I'm going to buy Sam Burns, though I don't necessarily think he fits this course amazingly. Uh, he's going to get a lot of love because of the fact that, well, he just won, right? Sam Burns, the guy we hate to play because he would always blow it on Sunday, just won at the Valspar. 39th before that, the RBC Heritage. So you may or may not have seen it coming. You might have got sick of playing him after three straight missed cuts. But we know the potential upside for top 10s, top 5s, etc. For, uh, for Burns. But the thing is, he, he did just win. He's not defending a title. You have a major next weekend. He's one of those potential trap plays. Especially when you consider the fact that maybe the energy is focused on next weekend. Maybe he is thinking ahead. Again, we have nothing to validate these thoughts. This is all pure speculation, and I think Birds kind of fits that mold. He's locked up the Masters next year. He's locked up the fact that he's going to be a contender next weekend. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens with Burns here in the in these next few days. In terms of his recent form, of course, sixth in strokes gained, par fives. 22nd in strokes gained T to green in the last 36 rounds. The only place he's kind of struggling, and it's not even really that bad, is he's 34th off the tee, which is in the top half, top third, right? Top third of the field. So you can't really say anything bad metrically about Sam Burns. The only thing I'm concerned about is the fact that he just did come off a win. All right, to close out this 9K range, Ryan Palmer, Sergio Garcia, both solid plays. Both have had various success here. Palmer with a top 10, miscut, 27th, and then a miscut. While Sergio won in 2016, like I mentioned in the course preview, 20th, and then a miscut in 2018. Um, Palmer did play here in 2019 when it was at Trinity. He finished 43rd uh, following that miscut. Sergio did not. Sergio did not play. Uh, looking at the overall stat model between the two of them, Palmer, number 13, Sergio number eight confidence model. Both are top 15 with Sergio actually sneaking into the top 10 in terms of your projections, Ryan Palmer scoring about 10 more points than Sergio Garcia. But of course, if Garcia comes out on top five, winning this tournament, he's going to outdo Palmer unless they're going neck and neck going to a playoff. So looking metrically at recent form for these two guys, you know, Garcia looks great off the tee, especially in this field. Palmer, same kind of play. All these top tiers, when you compare to how weak the field is, because, like, we're getting in the 8K, 7K, 6K range, these these are guys who are mispriced just because how weak 
the field is once you get out of this 8-9K. And I would even argue that Palmer and Garcia are way too expensive for the types of golfers they are. But when you go below them, there's really not that many options. What do you do? You're going to go back to someone like Schwartzel again? Kill a Keith? You think Keith's going to pull that out of his ass again? So that's why these guys are priced up. I think DraftKings did a smart thing doing it that way. It could affect ownership, right? If you see a lot of guys who are playing like names, guys that they think they know, um, guys who are really not focused in on golf, then of course they're going to go back to these guys. And I think you're going to really actually see that more or less in that 8K range. So Let's go down to the AK range. It gets a little bit smaller here in terms of the player pool, player options. Jason Day, Siwoo Kim, English, Peters, Westwood, Luke List, Aaron Wise, Matt Kuchar, Schwartzel, Mitchell, and Cameron Champ. We talked about Killer Keith last weekend on the show and said how he was an option for, for the Wells Fargo. We got to him in a few lineups, and I would have loved it if he would have pulled out a win on Sunday. Um, but... Just, just to see him win and have people rip their hair out, right? Just to see like how Keith Mitchell just drives people insane to where they have now just decided to fade him. And, of course, he would do something like that and win. But decent tournament history. Third in 2018, 59th in 2019. No other appearances before that. Um, obviously, always kind of struggles off the tee, but it's looked a lot better lately. Tenth in the last 12 rounds in terms of his approach. Uh, 26th in terms of scoring. Powder is always volatile. My overall stat model ranks 23rd. So I think Killer Keith is an option again this weekend. Do you have to go that route? Not necessarily, but still, I think it's a solid play. Jason Day kind of fits that range of guys I don't want to play this weekend simply because I don't think he's going to play the entire weekend. I would not be surprised that if Thursday, Jason Day has the sore back and does a withdrawal similar to Webb Simpson's neck injury. Um, it's not that he doesn't want to play. It's just that any type of twinge that's going to inhibit him from playing the best golf he can next weekend at the PJ Championship really doesn't matter, right? So this tournament doesn't matter for Jason Day. Next weekend does, and that's kind of the focus we're looking at. Siwoo Kim. He's going to be popular. It's Siwoo. It's Siwoo. I don't know, man. I mean, he fits the overall stat model, but he's going to be so chalky. He's never played here before. Uh, he's just going to be naturally popular, right? Like, there's no doubt in my mind, especially with four straight made cuts, 33rd at the RBC Heritage, 12th at the Masters, 23rd at the Valero, 9th at the Players. So we've seen him make cuts before a major. Not to say that Siwoo won't do that again, right? Wants to make a cut before he goes to the PGA Championship. Is that necessarily going to be the case this weekend? I don't know. Because the course is so easy that regardless of the talent factor, everyone's going to be scoring unless they're way off. And if everyone's scoring, just because you're the best in the world doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be winning because you know what it's at stake in the future, right? Down the road at the PGA Championship at the Ocean Course. Oh, I'm so excited for it. So that's what you have to ask yourself about this top tier of of golfers. I'm actually surprised at how DraftKings priced Siwoo Kim because at 8,800, they essentially made him one of the most popular plays, if not the most popular play on the slate. 
Everyone knows Siwoo's prowess. They know his upside. They know how well he does on easy courses. At 8,800, it's going to be hard to pass him up, no matter what the uh, ownership appears to be. So Thomas Peters and Lee Westwood are the guys that I want to mention next. And I think Peters is going to garner a lot of ownership simply because of of his finish at Corrales, 13th. Before that, Puerto Rico. 23rd at the U.S. Open, right, in 2020. There's that long-standing history for Thomas Peters. I don't know if I'm going to buy it this weekend. It's it's not that I don't like Peters. It's just that at 29 years old, the Belgium never really seems to, to appear here too often at the PGA Tour, usually spending his time in, in Europe. Uh, last time we saw him play was in March over at the European Tour um, at the Commercial Bank Qatar Masters where he finished 13th. So he's having success over in Europe. I think this is a tune-up, obviously, for the PGA Championship. I think he's in the field for, for next weekend. The point being is that like, if he's not, I should just double-check that. Like, Is he in the, <laughs> the freaking field for the PGA uh, Championship? But... Um, that that that's kind of like where we're at with Thomas Peters. Is he going to be ready to play? Right. Um, that that it's a great question to ask yourself. Well, I'm ridiculous. Of course, Peters is in the PGA Championship. What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Come on, man. So, anyways, Thomas Peters most definitely going to be popular. It's just that. I I think this is more of a tune-up for the PGA Championship. I'm not going to play the, the 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 man from Belgium. Usually playing on the on the European Tour has looked good recently over the pond. But again, um, we're looking at a guy who's who I'm probably going to look at next weekend when he's going to get overlooked. So I'm hoping hoping for a miscut, right? And everyone kind of passes up on him. But we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the cut and does well. Top 25, top 10. And, you know, there goes my secret for next weekend's, you know, PGA Championship. Still, Peters uh, is a solid play, metrically. And and, and then other than my own desire and speculations, I I don't want to add him. Now, if he ends up becoming a double-digit chalk, like he's an immediate can't do it. And and I'm not doing that segment now, but like when it comes up, if he is double digit chalk, I'm not gonna play him. I'm not gonna play Thomas Peters chalk this weekend. I'll wait for him till next weekend. Um, next guy I'm not gonna play, not interested in is Lee Westwood. Don't have him, and I'm only mentioning him because he's right under Peters in terms of pricing. So uh, I've been dogging him all year. I'm not a fan of Lee Westwood. I, it's just I don't think his game is in the right spot. So continuing on though. AK range. I am actually going to go back to when opposite of what people thought from last weekend. Aaron Weiss missed a cut. Burned about 12 to 14% of lineups. I said, don't play him. I said, fade him. I put him on my can't do it. This week, I'm buying, buying, buying back Aaron Wise. And for the opposite reason that I talked about last weekend, I knew he had a very high ceiling and I knew he had a very low floor, but I think he hits that ceiling this weekend. I do. Like he ranks 20th in my aggregate model, top 20 in my overall stat model, top 20 in my confidence model. He's too good on approach. He's too good off the tee. To top it off, he won here in 2018. 
I'm really hoping that last week's like disgusting turnout will kind of like sway ownership and kind of give me a leg up on most of the players. The last two guys I'm going to mention in this AK range are Matt Kuchar and Cameron Champ. Both, I think, are solid plays. I'm not going to go much into Cooch. We know what the old man can do. Cameron Champ, he's more of a sleeper, though, here. I think he's going to get a lot lower ownership. Obviously, and the same long, same same lines as Aaron Wise, a massive ceiling, but again, a massive floor. Never played here before. In terms of getting off the tee, he has looked terrible, as he always does. But the one thing that concerns me is that his approach game is way off in the last 12 rounds, so we're open for some regression back to the mean to where he starts dialing in on his approach. He does rank 30th, top 30 in my overall stat model, 27th, and then top 25 in my confidence model. Let's look at the simulator. When you look at the simulator here for uh, Cameron Champ, 24th in terms of DraftKings projections average um, at just around 70. He does miss the cut at over 50% of the time, though. So he is going to be a higher risk, more volatile play. I'm okay with that, though. I really am. I, 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 I'm just not too concerned about him running into any issues that, you know, you, you're going to run into things, of course, with, with any golfer that you roster. But I just think there's a lot of upside here for Champ that I'm not going to kind of buy that. In terms of, like, Peters, though, I, I think there's a huge opportunity for him to miss this cut. Westwood, same deal. A huge opportunity for for him to miss this cut. So, um, well above fifty percent for for Peters and Westwood, and that's why I kind of don't have much interest in those guys. So, that'll wrap up the eight K range. Going down to the seven K range, this is like I say every week where your bread and butter is made. Um, guys, I like Russell Knox. I'm going back to Ricky Fowler, Sebastian Munoz, Viegas, uh, EVR, Sepp Straka. It's for you, Maynard. Tom Hogue, Johnny Vegas, Tom Lewis, Higgs, Clark. All right. Wyndham Clark, the simulator loves Wyndham Clark. I thought there was an error somewhere in terms of the mathematics that I was doing, getting data from the wrong spots, whatever the case may be. But for for whatever reason, Clark kept showing up like very, 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 very high. In terms of when I ran it last, finished seventh, top 10. Sepp Straka, same thing, top 10. Um, miscuts, both of them, sub 46%, um, almost 1% in terms of win equity, win shares. And then you look at like top 10 percentage, top 25 percentage, it's very high and very comparable to those that we see at the top, like Sebastian Munoz and, and Aaron Wise, and even up there with Zalatoris and, and Matthew Fitzpatrick. Maybe not as high as Willie Z, but still um, a lot of upside for those two plays, especially in the simulator that we're seeing. Continuing on with that 7K range, though, we're going to go back up to Russell Knox. Knox fits this course, 24th in my overall stat model. Um, in terms of the approach rank, he's been dialed in. You look at the last 12 rounds, he's usually averaging in the top 25, but he's sixth in terms of approach. So if you're really weighing approach this week, Russell Knox is on fire. It's looking solid off the tee and great course history here. Um, I know that it's or tournament history, excuse me. I know we've never played here in terms of course analysis. But still, I, I, I like Russell Knox here. I think he's a solid option. Not quite sure where ownership's going to shake out with him at this point. We're going to have to figure out what other people are saying in the industry. Um, still looking at single digits right now. But, of course, that could change come um, Wednesday night at lock. Sebastian Munoz could be popular. Probably a little bit underpriced. Uh, part, 
I, I'm sure that's in part to the fact that Munoz at the at the at the Wells Fargo missed the cut, and then of course missed the cut at the at the RBC Heritage. So you're kind of very concerned about his recent form. But if there's any a time to jump back on a golfer of his quality, it would be now. You like you should most definitely take advantage of that. And 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 speaking of Munoz though, like looking at last weekend specifically. He looked terrible, though. Like, he looked terrible off the tee. He looked terrible on approach. He looked terrible around the green. I don't know if it was because it was at the Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow, one of the hardest golf courses on tour. But still, a lot of upside there for Munoz. I might buy into it a little bit more than ownership shakeout. And that, of course, is going to be based on the fact that if I'm, if I'm mass multi-entering and utilizing that kind of strategy this weekend, I don't know if you have to get that different, though. Like if he's if he's coming in at lower ownership, you don't have to get that different. If he's coming in at like double digit ownership, he's most definitely like a, a non-play for me in, in all regards. But Ricky Fowler burned everyone last week who wanted to jump on the course history bag wagon. I think this is where you go back to Ricky. Is he putting things together? I don't think so. I really don't. I'm just hoping to catch him when he does. Right. Like we we were talking the same thing about Jordan Spieth for the longest time. Like I'm gonna keep playing him. I'm gonna keep playing him. I'm gonna keep playing him. And then people stopped playing him. And what did he do? He started dominating again and being awesome, and looking solid as Jordan Spieth. The problem is, is that yeah, Ricky made the cut at the Valero. He looked awesome, but at the Wells Fargo, looked terrible off the tee, looked brutal on approach. Almost lost four strokes on approach. So, like, recent form, like, yeah, you don't want to touch Ricky Fowler with a 10-foot pole. But the thing is, we know who Ricky Fowler is. We knew the golfer that that he can potentially be. And he's properly priced now for what he's been doing. Properly priced at 7700 Metrically does is not loved, right? And he's not going to be, nor should he be. He's been awful at golf recently for a long time. So, um trying to find like a glimmer of hope, like a reason why you should play him. And we ran the simulator with like a hundred percent, just 2021 stats running it. Then, you know, he had an average finishing position of top 35 missing the cut less than 50% of the time. But the nice thing is he had a win percentage of 1%. Um, in terms of like top 25, top five percentage, that was kind of low. But still, it, it, that win percentage at 1% is a little bit higher than most. Most definitely going to take some flyers on Ricky Fowler here. It, you're hoping he finds the magic again. For whatever's going on with Ricky Fowler, you just hope he finds the magic again. And we're going to buy that, 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 that Fowler play. So going down to uh, Viegas, EVR, Sepp Straka. Again, we're looking at these three guys that are basically kind of not necessarily one in the same, but you know, usually golfers we see in that low seven K six K range. So yeah, I guess theoretically you're playing with poison, but all of them fit in the top 50 in terms of my overall stat model, in terms of the confidence model, they all fit in the top 55 substrata. Of course, you got to get that putter hot. Um, but we know that 
we're looking for some regression for Sep. I think in the last 12 rounds, like he's been terrible on approach. He's been terrible off the tee and he's a much better golfer than he's shown. So we're hoping for some positive regression for Sep Straka in terms of what we've seen recently. 54th at the Wells Fargo lost almost five strokes in approach. So he made the cut, but he was just that bad at the RBC heritage 59th losing strokes on approach Valero, you know, lost strokes in approach. But the thing is, is that he made cuts, right? He put together a solid first round, second round, fell, fell apart elsewhere. So, you know, just really kind of hoping that Straka maybe puts together four solid rounds and you catch lightning in a bottle, which I guess is a potential option. Potential option. Uh, like I said, Viegas, EVR, not going to go too much highly in the in the stat analysis with them. Um, last guys I do want to mention in the 7K range, Tom Hogue, Johnny Vegas, Tom Lewis, Harry Higgs, they're all going to be in my player pool. I'm adding those guys. I, I think a lot of people have reasons to play like someone like C.T. Pan, someone like uh, John Caitlin or Catlin. So like like. Y- James Hahn potential as ownership. Tom Lewis is probably going to be extremely popular based on his price. Vegas and Hogue are going to be extremely popular. So the question is where, where are you going to pivot if you, if you do go that route? So that's the seven K range, man, that, that, that it's a, it's an interesting rundown to see where we're going to go. But the question is who are we not going to play? No, 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 Hell no. Can't do it. So this is the Cutline segment. Can't do it. Won't do it. Brought to you by CutlineGolf.com. And it's real simple for me here. It's real simple. I am not playing Doug Gim. I am not playing that mental, weak player come Sunday. I get it. He's 7,500. I know that he fits this course. But if Doug Gim at $7,500 is going to be double-digit owned, no thank you. You guys can ride that ship down to the bottom of the ocean, right? It's, It's just a remake of the Titanic. And DiCaprio's going down with him. All right. Doug Gim, no, can't do it. He looks great, right? In my, in my metric model. Looks solid. He, he's top 20 in my overall stat model, 14th in my confidence model, 12th in my aggregate model. But it's Doug Gim. It's Doug Gim in a stronger field, priced up when he should be in the 6K range. No, thank you. I haven't mentioned this once on the show, but I bet I do have to say it here for Gim. Lee Aldrich in his course suitability metric has him 110th. 110th. That's like damn near bottom of the barrel. Not going to play Doug Gim. No thank you. No chance. No dice. Other can't do it. Thomas Peters, Matthew Fitzpatrick, the boys from across the pond. Not going to do them. And Bryson DeChambeau. Not going to play him either. I, I think these guys are more next week plays. And you just need to, if, if they do well this weekend, you take it with a grain of salt and you move on. But I just have no desire to play these guys. So that's the can't do it. Let's go to the monsters and guarantees of the 6K range. 
<laughs> Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut. Miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. <laughs> a monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. This week's 6K range gets very interesting. Because this is where I think you could take advantage of this field that as strong as it might be up at the top, it's very weak on the bottom. All right, these guys are, this is the list that I'm endorsing in this 6K range. Roger Sloan, Sam Ryder, Will Gordon, Putnam, Josh Teeter, Hostler, Ventura, Ryan Blom, Nick Watney, and Austin Cook, and John Senden. I don't normally go to 6,100, but I think this is where you got to get different, right? You could play whoever you want at the top. It's going to kind of get chalky up there. Don't there, There's no way to get around that, especially if you want the DraftKings scoring, the birdies, the eagles, the potential driving, the, the par four, uh, 14th, right? The 330-yarder. This is where you got to get different in this 6K range. Looking at ownership, like right now, it's all seems to be headed and geared towards like Roger Sloan. Got to look at Teeter, Kyung Hoon Lee, who had success last weekend. Bryce Garnett, who's more of a name than anything else. Like John Huh. John Huh. Um, I'm not going to go that route, but still, I, like I've had enough of John Huh to, to last me a lifetime. But, you know, looking specifically at this 6K range, like you have a lot of options here and opportunity to to have some success. So if we get down to Sam Ryder in my simulator model, Sam Ryder's ranking 28th in terms of his projections. Will Gordon's 12th. Josh Teeter's 14th, right? Um, Hostler's 37th. Ventura's 17th. You look at like Blum, who, who's 45th, but again has, has top 25% upside at 17 and a half. So right now, I mean, these are tournament plays. We're, we're chasing that upside, especially at at the, the 6K range, and you need to finish that top 25. That's what you're looking at here. So um, like, it's not that these guys are going to light up the world. Can they win here? I think anybody can win here just because of how easy the course is, but... That, that that's just how the cookie crumbles. Roger Sloan is going to be popular. He, he's just gaining a lot of traction. He fits this course. You look at just kind of like who he is as a golfer. He's always been solid with approach, solid at scoring. So he's most definitely an option this week. Plus he's 6,900. He might be just a bit over or underpriced. And I haven't said that much for, for, for this reason, but you know, the man from Canada, why not? Why not see some success, right? We we saw him at Quail Hollow finish 58th. So people got the name first loan in terms of what he's done recently. You know, what have you done for me recently? And, and, and Sloan's made cuts. Sloan's been obviously better than like someone like Ricky Fowler. So why would I not roster him? Um, is there the same upside, I guess, with Ricky Fowler? Of course not. But... You know, you look at someone like that, Roger Sloan at, at 6,900. He's going to fit in like the fashion, fantasy national metrics. And of course, you know, you just look at his last five strokes gain data and and he's going to just be somewhat popular. 
looking at this field specifically. So uh, Will Gordon, I think, is a name that I always kind of have interest in. And luckily, he's been kind of just sinking, right, floundering. Two straight missed cuts, um, especially at the Wells Fargo, RBC Heritage. This course could be way easier. Will, you know, you're just kind of hoping that, that he finds something this weekend. But I think there's a lot of potential there for Will Gordon. When you look at him, you know, he, he did go to Vanderbilt. So, like, there, it's not necessarily like the Texas connection that, that we kind of were talking about in terms of, like, you know, what, what what we should expect from guys who live down here, like, like Scheffler and stuff like that, born in North Carolina. So, like, you know, going to Gordon in terms of that, you don't have the, the geographical region to take any advantage of, but... But still, I, I like this six K range is not necessarily loaded with like a ton of upside, but it is loaded with players that have have a lot of like opportunities. Nick Watney, of course, you know you go first round leader. Ventura, um, same thing. They're bad golfers. Don't get me wrong, but but this is like the guys in the pot in the six K that I'm committing to. So Roger Sloan, Sam Ryder, Will Gordon, Putnam, Teeter, Hostler, Ventura, Blom, Watney, Austin Cook, and John Sendin. That is the six K. All right. Whew. Let's take it home. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That's it. It's over. It's all over. Join us next week as we break down the PGA Championship. I want to give a special thanks to Fanshare Sports and FanshareSports.com. But more importantly, go to CutlineGolf.com. Get your free info. Dominate this weekend's slate. I want to give a huge shout-out, a special thanks to you, the listener. Thank you for spending your time with us. Get that green. Get them on Sunday. Let's go, boys.